All right, like I said, because of Dan's trip, I am leading Sunday school. Um, so I will pray and then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for um, the ability for Dan and Horace to go to meet with the uh, broader church in America. Thank you for the blessing it was to them and uh, for what it will be to us. I pray that you would go before this morning, bless my words, bless our worship later uh, this morning. And uh, thank you for being here with us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, okay, so I am um, continuing discussing kind of the lead up to the birth of Jesus, the historical context for the background to the Old Testament uh, or for the New Testament and kind of the end of the Old Testament. Um, we're, we're, we've been working through Daniel, so we'll pick up uh, a little more in Daniel 7 and then um, kind of keep progressing through. We've talked about the, the Daniel 2 statue of four kingdoms. Um, that leads to the rock, which is the church. And we walked through a number of them, but the last one um, that is kind of the immediate context for the birth of Christ is the Roman Empire, and we haven't really got to them yet. So that's the goal today is to get up to the Roman Empire. And um, uh, that's always a fun one. So uh, if we get there, we lost a few minutes there, but if we, uh, if we have time, hopefully we'll get there. So we'll see. Um, but I'm going to start with Daniel 7. Um, so we, we're going to review Daniel 7 to get up to Rome. <clears throat> so you can turn there. Um, and remember, just for a little context, uh, I like to start with David, King David and the United Kingdom at around 1000 B.C. Uh, is what we're talking. So that's when Israel's at its height. At, in around 720 you have Assyria come in and conquer the northern tribes. So that's 720. Um, and so you have Israel at its peak. Uh, Assyria comes in. Assyria is uh, kind of the nearest, the nearest, one of the closer neighbors to Israel. It is expanding around this time and then conquers Israel, the northern tribes, but cannot conquer the, the southern tribes. Um, and then, uh, then you get the kingdom that conquers Assyria, which is further east, which, does anybody remember, conquers Assyria? Babylon. Babylon. Babylon with Nebuchadnezzar the Great, Nebuchadnezzar II, comes in uh, and conquers Assyria. The date to remember is 605. That's called the Battle of Carchemish. That's when... Uh, Babylon conquers Assyria under Nebuchadnezzar the second or the great. Um, at the same time, he, when he conquers Assyria, he gets control of Israel. So that's why that's important. 605 is when he gets Israel, and that's the year that Daniel goes to Babylon. Okay. So that's helpful. Yeah. How do you have 1000 BC for David? That's like when, roughly when he is reigning, when his reign is. I think it's like... Oh, okay, that's just... Yeah, well, he has 40 okay. years, and okay, he yeah, lived yeah, a lot longer. Yeah. But this sure. is a nice reminder yeah. of, like, if you're talking about millennia, he was reigning uh, during the millennia. I so. mentally was reading Daniel, but I said <clears throat> Got that. it. <laughs> Sorry about that. Daniel was <laughs> yes. born uh, maybe, I don't know, 15 years before this, I think. Maybe he was 15 when he went to Babylon. Okay. Um, and so that's when he and a bunch of people get carted off to Babylon. Uh, but the other date to know, the important date for Babylon is 
um, at this point, Israel is under their control, and if they pay their tributes and obey, they're fine. They can live peaceably in the land, but they don't. They uh, are encouraged by the Egyptians to rebel. And uh, in five, across uh, 20 years here, they rebel a number of times. But it's in 586, which is, I think, a really important date when Nebuchadnezzar finally um, destroys Jerusalem, burns it to the ground, destroys the walls and the temple. Uh, And that is the second temple. This is the second temple. Wait, no. That's the first temple. Sorry, that's David's temple. So David or Solomon built the temple in 950 or whatever, and it lasts for about 400 years, and then it's destroyed by Babylon. So that's your first temple. Um, And then, what's that? 400 years. 400 years, very long time. Yep, yeah. It was, uh, I mean, it was a big deal. That's, this is a big deal right here. Um, So that's Babylon. Babylon doesn't last for for too long. Um, and it's, it's when Daniel's in Babylon that we get uh, Daniel uh, 7. Uh, well, Daniel 2, which is the four, Nebuchadnezzar has the dream of the, the statue with four kingdoms, right? That's, in, that's under when Nebuchadnezzar is the king. And it says, I think, the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, or second. So it's right around 605, so it's pretty early. Then we get to uh, Daniel 7, which is the four beasts. And that we hear... Uh, if you read, uh, if somebody could read verse one, we hear when that happens. So could somebody read? Um, we'll see verse one and two. So reads Daniel seven verse one and two. Yeah. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, "I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirred up by the great sea." Okay, and then do we'll do the next two. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the man and the mind of the man was given to it. Okay, so that is the first kingdom, which we it, this uh, comes during Babylon's reign. It is Babylon, the Potentially that person, the mind of a man, um, the eagle, that could be Nebuchadnezzar because he loses his mind and then he gets his mind restored to him. Um, But that we know is Babylon. But that happens in the first year of King Belshazzar. And he reigns more in like 550. So he's like 50 years after Nebuchadnezzar. So you get the, the statue of the four kingdoms, right? And then you get the four beasts, which line up with each other, but they're about 50 years apart that Daniel gets those visions. So um, that's, a long, that's a long time for a very, very similar visions. Um, and we know exactly, pretty much exactly when they happen because they're dated by the kings. Um, so that's Babylon. Let's read about the third one, the third beast, or the, or the second beast, the next one we hear about. So you have to remember... I go back a little bit farther. These aren't part of the, the, the kingdoms because those visions come during Babylon. So we've got to start with Babylon. Um, all right, so then let's go with verse 5. Someone read verse 5. And behold, another beast, a second one, resembling a bear, and it was raised up on one side, and three ribs were in its mouth between its teeth. And thus they said to it, Arise, devour much meat. Okay. So we have the lion. We have the bear. And who's the bear? Who conquers Babylon? 
Medo-Persians. The Medo-Persians. The Persians under Cyrus. Good, Cyrus the Great. Um, and that is in what year? I think that is like 439 is when he conquers Babylon. That's Cyrus. Okay, and he's the bear. So we have lion, bear, um, and then if, you're, if you've got the statues, head of gold, chest of silver. Um, let's do number six next. You can do six. After this, I looked, and behold, another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. Okay. Lion, bear, leopard. Okay. And who conquers Persia? Greeks. The Greeks do. Um, so that would be the Greeks, specifically Alexander the Great, around 330. <clears throat> so lion, bear, leopard. Um, we talked a bit about the Greeks last time, Alexander the Great. Um, it says... Uh, four heads. The beast has four heads. We talked about what the four heads means. Uh, his kingdom was divided up into four. We'll read about that a little bit in Daniel 11, which is where we'll go next. So Babylon, Persia, the Greeks um, is the leopard. And then we'll go to the next one, the last one, verse 7. We can read verse 7. Okay, <clears throat> so what does the next one look like? What beast? These say a beast that looked like a lion, looked like a bear, looked like a leopard. This one is what? Looks like what? Yeah, it's terrifying and frightening and very powerful, but it doesn't look like anything. Okay, so this is kind of a, this is a, we don't know what it looks like beast but it's terrible and frightening, but we don't know what animal it looks like. That is Rome. And <clears throat> when this is written, so this one, this, uh, this is the Daniel 7 passage of the four beasts. It's written in 550 BC, right? The first year of King Belshazzar. What is Rome doing in 550? In 550, everybody knows we're in Babylon, obviously. There, Persia is a, um, is a kind of a subject territory of Babylon at this point. Um, the Greeks have been around for hundreds of years at this point and are part of the Persian Empire when Persia takes over. So the Greeks have been existing in the Mediterranean. If I bring my map out. <clears throat> this is Italy here. This is Greece here. Assyria is over here. The rivers flow down to Babylon, and then Persia is further to the east. So the Greek world's been operating here for a long time at this point. But Rome, right here, in 550 when this is written, is still like a small village in Italy. Like it's a city. It hasn't expanded past the borders of its town. It doesn't expand. So if we talk just briefly about Rome, it doesn't start expanding out of the middle of Italy here till the 330s which is when Alexander, all the way down here when Alexander conquers the world. 
So Rome is nothing, and that's potentially why it's a beast that doesn't have, uh, there's no animal there, because it doesn't really, nobody has heard of Rome at this point, <clears throat> especially not all the way down here in Babylon. Um, so brief history for Rome to catch up. <clears throat> um, the years, the, the important years for Rome are um, 753. Uh, 753 is when Rome was founded, supposedly. So that's an important, uh, important date to know. It's really important because all dating, all dating uh, in Roman literature is based on this. So we have BC and AD, right? They had 753 when the city was founded. So it's who knows if it was actually founded then, but that's the date they used. So every, you got you you had to know it. <clears throat> that's what all your dating was based off of, from when the city was founded. Um, so that's an important date. They had basically then their history is broken into the seven kings. There's a, a a period of a monarchy where there were seven kings. Rome's also the city of seven hills, which is important in Revelation because one of the beasts has seven heads, and that is Rome. So it's the, it had seven kings and seven hills until 509 when it became what? Went from a monarchy to a what? Not an empire. A republic. Yeah, so it became a republic in 509. So that's an important date. We're still, though, a long way from, you know, Persia, like before, the, you know, Alexander the Great takes over. So from 509, it's a republic. It's still just a small city. It's not until the 330s that they start expanding out and getting uh, a little more power hungry. So again, it's hundreds of years right here at Rome. Hopefully everybody can see this. And then in the 330s, it takes over the surrounding area. Beats a bu it takes over a bunch of cities around it. Um, and then in the late 200s, it takes over central Italy. Um, and then in like the 270s, it starts moving south, and it takes over this part. And when it, when it, in the 270s, remember, this is after the Greeks have taken over you know, kind of most of the Mediterranean. That's when it first comes into conflict with the Greeks, because it's Greek cities that are all down here. This is called um, uh, Magna Graecia or something. It's like the greater Greek world. So all these cities are Greek right here. And that's when it, it conquers this area, and a Greek king, Pyrrhus, comes and fights them and gets beaten and gets sent back, and Rome expands out here. Uh, so that's when it first starts beating the Greek world. Um, and then later on in the 200s, it takes over Sicily and has a big war with this country here, northern Africa. Do you guys know what those, that war is? Carthage. The Carthage, yeah. So the Punic Wars against Carthage. Oh, um, it starts taking over here in the middle of the 200s. Um, and then it continues to expand out east with, uh, by taking over Greece. And eventually you can see this, this line here. This uh, brown line is kind of the extent of the empire. But that's a couple hundred years. Um, so that's sort of the, the, uh, a lot of the expansion of, of Rome. You can also see it comes up here into Britain, France. It takes over Spain when it fights Carthage um, in the Punic Wars. So a lot of expansion, and obviously um, this is the empire that controls the world when Christ is born, so that's kind of what we're getting into. Um, 
the other big date for Rome then is, while it's expanding through the 200s, the 100s, um, is in 27, it becomes what? An empire. <laughs> Good. It becomes an empire. Um, and so that's when uh, uh, Octavian uh, basically conquers in a civil war all the other generals vying for power, and he becomes emperor and is renamed Augustus, and he is the emperor when Christ is born. So that's an important date there. So that's like a broad, super broad history of, uh, of Rome, but that gets us up close to kind of where we're heading with um, with the with the land of Israel, um, it's like in the 60s, 60 BC. So a few kind of um, generals and leaders before uh, is when Rome really solidifies control over Israel, um, and um, and so that's kind of where we're going to get hopefully today. If we have we got 15 minutes, so we should get there. Um, so we'll move to let's turn to um, uh, Daniel 11. So we'll talk about Daniel 11, and that will take us to the period that leads to how Rome kind of came into control of Israel. Okay, So remember, when Alexander took over the world, well, Israel was part of the world he took over, so it's all Greek at that point. Um, and then he, if we read, I'll read the start of Daniel 11. Um, this is uh, in the first year of Darius the Mede. I took my stand to support and protect him. Uh, verse 2, now then I tell you the truth. Three more kings will arrive, r- arise in Persia. So we're back to Persia. And then a fourth who will be far richer than all the others. When he has gained power by his wealth, he will stir up everyone against the kingdom of Greece. So between Persia conquering Babylon and, uh, oh man, this is 530. Um, between Persia conquering uh, Babylon and then the Greeks conquering Persia, we have the Persian Wars where they uh, invade Greece and are repelled. And that's uh, everyone. He will stir up everyone against the kingdom of Greece. So all of his, his kingdoms he stirs up and they invade Greece. Who's the first person speaker in verse 1? <coughs> um, I tell you the truth. I think... The one who confirms and strengthens him? Is that oh, um, uh, an angel, I think. An okay. angel that comes. Mike, looks like Michael was talking in yes. 10, so it's him. Yeah, that's okay. it. Yeah, he continues. So he picks yeah, he gives him the vision. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, then a mighty king will arise. That's Alexander the Great, who will rule with great power and do as he pleases. After he has arisen, his empire will be broken up and parceled out toward the four winds of heaven. So it gets broken up. It will not go to his descendants, though. So he had no kids, or he had, I think, maybe one of his wives was pregnant when he died. Um, but it will not go to his descendants, nor will it have the power he exercised, because his, his empire will be uprooted and given to others. And we hear about, too, I think, in one of the other visions of the ram and the goat. The Greeks are the goat, and they have one horn, but then it breaks into four horns when it's conquered. Um, <clears throat> And um, so we know the Greek world gets broken up into four. Um, we talked about that last time. Um, and but, so we'll kind of skip over some of that. Um, but the long and short, right, is that the, the Greek world gets broken up into one kingdom in Greece, one kingdom in Turkey, one kingdom is Syria and the, and the, uh, the east, and then one kingdom is Egypt. Those are the four 
the kingdom in Turkey gets, gets snuffed out right away, and you end up really with three moving on. And then the rest of Daniel 11 is about the kings of the north and the kings of the south. And that is the kings in Syria that run Syria in the east and the kings that run uh, Egypt. And that's the Seleucid Empire up here and the Ptolemies in Egypt. Those are the two kind of inheritor, inherit, inheritors of the uh, Greek world so that we're talking about. When they're yeah. saying north and south, it's that it's north and south of Israel? Yes. Okay, north of Israel, south of Israel. I've never had that explained to me. That's yeah. so helpful. And they meet in the middle often, right, which, yeah. is, which is Israel. Yeah. So those are the kings of the north and the kings of the south. There's also, um, well, yeah, there's other players that get involved. Remember, though, we talked about how Rome spread slowly east. While the kings of the north and the kings of the south are fighting, Rome the whole time is kind of slowly moving east and starts to impose itself. And that's what we're going to look at. Um, all right, so... Alexander, right, is 300. He quickly passes away. And, it, it, and in around 300, uh, you have the Seleucids in the north and the Ptolemies in the south fighting each other. Um, we won't read all of it. We're going to get to the kings that, make, that are important. We briefly talked about, um, let's see, so we have the Seleucids. The Seleucids is one kingdom, the north. The Ptolemies, Ptolemies are the south in Egypt, okay? Um, Seleucus I was the first king of the Seleucid. That's why they're called that. Um, but a few generations down, you get to Antiochus, the great, or the third. And he becomes king in around 187, I think. Uh, no, 224 to 187 or so. So he kind of becomes king around 224. Um, you've got a number of Ptolemies that are, you know, Ptolemy the first, second, third, fourth. I think we get to the fifth by this point. But we're really going to talk about the Seleucids in Syria because um, when, when they all broke up, when they all broke up, Israel was under control of Egypt. But it's not until Antiochus III that the Seleucids take over Israel. <clears throat> so that's why he's really important. He was expanding all over the place, growing Syria, and he takes over Israel. He also starts to head towards Rome, and he gets in trouble um, kind of in both fronts, and that's what we're going to kind of read about. So, um, so in Daniel 11, we'll skip ahead to... Um, Daniel eleven thirteen. We'll go to thirteen. <clears throat> Can someone read Daniel eleven thirteen to sixteen? And this is talking about Antiochus the third or the great. <clears throat> Okay, so that last verse is where he shall stand 
uh, I have, he will establish himself in the beautiful land that is Israel. So this is the verse that talks about the Seleucids taking over Israel. That's where they expand and now are in control of Israel. <clears throat> okay. Um, then uh, 17. So that's, that's the key verse there, right? Antiochus III takes over Israel. Verse 17, I'll read 17 and 18. Uh, 17, he will determine to come with the might of his entire kingdom, and he will make an alliance with the king of the south, and he will give him a daughter in marriage in order to overthrow the kingdom, but his plans will not succeed or help him. We talked about how um, he married off his daughter, who is Cleopatra I, to the Ptolemies. Um, and um, the plan is for her to influence them, to ally with, with uh, the Seleucids. But she ends up saying, no, you should become friends with Rome because Rome's more powerful. Um, <clears throat> then verse 18, then he will turn his attention to the coastlands. If you're in Syria, which direction are the coastlands? coastlands are if you're out here the coastlands are going to be this direction so he fights here in the south and then he heads this way and we already talked about who was moving in the opposite direction Rome so when you go towards the coastlands it says and will take many of them but a commander will put to an end his insolence and will turn his insolence back on him after this he will turn back toward the fortresses of his own country but will stumble and fall to be seen no more so he he invades Roman, uh, Roman-controlled areas and is defeated, and a treaty is signed that says you cannot cross a certain boundary. You need to stay in the east. You can't build a navy and all these things. Rome says, no, you, you're not coming this way. Yeah, question. It, it's so interesting that there seems to be implied a value judgment with that uh, insolence. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. So is that implying that God had backed Rome and... This, uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, <coughs> yeah. Antiochus that's doing this? It's Antiochus the so third. Is he supposed to know that he's opposing Yahweh by... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know except, I mean, just the fact that he's expanding his kingdom, period, might be in but Rome, is, but Rome is too. Well. Right, Rome is too. <laughs> right. They're not necessarily yeah, an innocent party. Okay. So, yeah. That, that is interesting, though. I, I'm not sure. Um Okay, so Antiochus or Ant uh, the third is defeated by Rome, um, and he dies soon after. Um, then we hear about his successor, who is his son, who reigns for a little bit, his his oldest son, um, but is not important um, because it's his second son, who is Antiochus the third, also known as. Antiochus III is his son, also known as Epiphanes, who is important. They're both the third? Uh, sorry, the fourth. <laughs> Not known as the third, the fourth. Epiphanes. Um, <clears throat> okay. Yeah, good, good catch. Um, all right, so he is the one who's important. Um, all right, so we're going to jump down to verse 25, which is going to talk about the sixth Syrian war. This, the, when Antiochus III took over Israel, that was the fifth Syrian war. Now we're going to learn about the Antiochus Epiphanes and the sixth Syrian war going to war against Egypt. Um, and that's in uh, verse 25. Uh, still Daniel 11. 
yeah. <clears throat> um, let's see. I will actually probably, I think we'll skip that part. Um, the, essentially, he invades uh, for 25 through 28. He attacks Egypt, um, but he is, the main thing that he, you read about is that he, um, in verse 28, um, his heart will be set against the Holy Covenant, um, and on his way back, basically, from the Sixth Syrian War, he plunders the temple, takes all the riches away. He also um, fires the high priest, Ananias, and sets up his brother as high priest. Um, and his brother basically says, if you make me high priest, I'll start paying you a lot more than my brother was. So the, it's the kind of one of the first times the, the priesthood is bought uh, to the high, you know, or sold to the highest bidder. Um, all right, so then, so that's what he does in the Sixth Syrian War, and then we'll jump down to 29. Um, <clears throat> 29 is when he, um, that is, uh, that's still during the Sixth Syrian War, so we can talk, we can read that. Uh, can somebody read 29 and 30? Um, so, yeah, so we kind of skipped that. Uh, Persia, right, Cyrus takes over. Um, when he conquers in 539, you have the edict, Cyrus's edict. And in 516, you have the second temple finished and rededicated. So we skipped that. Good point. Uh, that was 70 years, right? There's a 70-year period between when the first temple is destroyed, the second temple is built. Uh, 516 under Cyrus, you have the second temple built. <clears throat> and yes, that's what is, that's what is now standing. That it, it gets the one, it's the one that gets destroyed in 70 AD. Um, that is what he's plundering. So which line of priests uh, is this high priest that's deposed? And then the new, and <clears throat> Onias. So, so Onias, who is the high priest when... Um, Antiochus the fourth Epiphanes comes in. He is a true high priest. He's in through comes down through the line of Aaron or whatever, and is um, he is he is um, basically he's set up the correct way. He's he's in the correct line and the correct lineage and family. And his brother is as well, Jason. His brother is as well, but his brother was uh, paid to be high priest, so he's still in the right family. He's just not anointed the right way. He's anointed by a political ruler. And that's, this is the first time where a king sets up the high priest. Um, and so that's, that's the first step. <clears throat> the second step is that the next high priest Antiochus sets up is not even in the line of Aaron. So he's not even the, supposed to be in the right family. And he's set up as high priest. So that's the second thing that happens um, after the, the Jason takes over. So there's kind of this, this total degradation of the high priesthood at that point. Um, okay. <clears throat> so um, we're going to have, he is going to now, uh, Antiochus III ran into Rome when he was trying to expand out, uh, out west. Uh, Antiochus Epiphanes is also going to have the same thing happen um, in 29 and 30. So we'll read 29 and 30. Uh, actually, 29 to 31. We'll read to 29 to 31. Can somebody read those verses? 
At the appointed time he shall return and go toward the south, but it shall not be like the former or the latter. For ships from Cyprus shall come against him, therefore he shall be grieved and return in rage against the holy covenant and do damage. So he shall return and show regard for those who forsake the holy covenant. And forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. Okay. Um, so the daily sacrifices being stopped in the temple is important, and the abomination of desolation is important um, for a number of reasons. Um, but essentially what happens, so it says ships um, from Cyprus or from the west come and oppose him. That's Rome again. So he's not allowed. He's, he's in the sixth Syrian war. He's invading Egypt. And Rome again tells him to stop because Rome gets all its grain from Egypt. And it does not want him invading um, Egypt. So it tells him to stop and go home. And on the way home, it says he will return and show favor to those who forsake the Holy Covenant. And then um, his armed forces will rise up, desecrate the temple, uh, abolish the daily sacrifice, etc., etc. Okay, so he is um, exceedingly angry when he heads back home and he takes it out um, on the land of Israel. Um, so one of the things he does, so he takes, he loots the temple, but then he also, he um, wants to turn the whole city into a Greek city, basically. So he outlaws everything Jewish, um, obviously stops the sacrifices, but all um, like uh, praying to God is, is outlawed and is a capital crime. You can't worship God. You can't do circumcisions. You can't do um, observe the Sabbath. All these are capital crimes. And he leaves his army in uh, Jerusalem to enforce it. So anytime they find like a circumcised child, they'll kill the baby, kill the mom. They'll do all sorts of things. Um, and the abomination that causes desolation is when he himself goes into the temple and sacrifices a pig uh, in the temple. Um, so those are kind of the events of the year, I think, 166. So 168 or so is when he does that. So that's a big year. Jonathan, do you have a question? That is, yeah, Antiochus Epiphanes. It, it's really interesting. I, I've always heard it described that there were a bunch of pretenders to the Messiah in Israel before Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, there was like the Bar Kokhba revolt and he mm -hmm. claimed to be the Messiah and all this stuff. And, and that's on kind of the religious side of it. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to see in the world in general, this man is claiming to be Epiphanes, you know, the, mm -hmm. the manifestation of God on earth. Right. And he has the the empire side of it. Mm -hmm. and, and Christ says, yes, I'm, I'm all of those. He does it in a very different way, but it's interesting to see both the aspirants to the religious uh, side of the Messiah and mm -hmm. then also the em empire side of the Messiah at this time, uh, in, in including Christ comes in and destroys the temple and shuts down the worship mm -hmm. and himself gives the offering. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, you would say, well, it's just, a, it's just an accident of history that we, we call it the epiphany of Christ, but... Mm -hmm. He, he's, he knew that this was coming, so mm -hmm. like this was a false epiphany. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's very, mm -hmm. yeah. Just yeah, that's interesting. He tried to do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Yes? There's also a correlation between the names. So uh, Ptolemy V was also called Epiphanes. Okay, yeah. And so yeah. I wonder if he's kind of playing copycat off of that. <laughs> mm -hmm. He's like, well, he was Epiphanes, 
mm -hmm. I'm going to be a priest. Yeah. So I wonder if that's like also him being very prideful with himself and then saying, well. <laughs> yeah, and they're related. I mean, they're closely yeah. related. Yeah, so that yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, and they're fighting each other and trying to beat each other. Yeah, that's it's interesting. It's just their last name. They have the same last name. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that is interesting. Um, okay, so I think that I think we're running out of time. Yeah, we uh, didn't get quite to where we needed. We were going to be, but that's okay. Uh, so we can we can leave off here. Um, uh, essentially, what happens though for next time is 160. When the all this happens. Uh, the army spreads out through Israel uh, doing these inquisitions where they're murdering tons of Jews for doing Jewish things. And um, uh, during it, uh, they get to a town called Modin where they're trying to force Jews to sacrifice pigs or eat pigs, right? They're, that's how they would get them to kind of not, they would, that's how you could get off basically is if you did something like that. Um, and, um, one guy's about to do it. He's about to give in, and um, uh, uh, the Maccabees come in. So uh, Mattathias uh, Hasmonean comes and kills this Jew that's about to eat pork, and then kills the Roman soldier that's making him, or this the Syrian soldier that's making him, and they kill a bunch of people, and that starts the Maccabean Revolution. Um, so that's kind of the background. This is the lead up to it. It's that 168 uh, abomination of desolation and the, the uh, prayers being stopped in the temple or the sacrifices. <clears throat> and then this is the, the Maccabean revolution. So uh, I think next time maybe we'll pick up with the Maccabees and then we should be able to get to, to Christ. Well, it's but. interesting that they attacked the males and the babies, mm -hmm. the ones that are circumcised. Mm -hmm. Egypt tried the same thing. Yeah, and then, um, okay, good. So um, I guess we all pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll finish for now. Um, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this discussion. I pray that you would bless the rest of our morning and Dan's preaching um, and give us a good rest of the day. Jesus.